At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. I pride myself on, you know, being uh, available. So I, I think the my immediate re- reaction was, was sadness that... I don't know what the extent of what just happened was. And I know that I'm leaving a game and I know we were already, we've already been shorthanded with injuries and uh, it was, it was frustrating. Um, You know, my initial reaction was to, you know, get up and go to first base. And as I was on the ground, it was, I was bleeding a lot and I knew that this wasn't normal that this was more than just, you know, getting hit in the face, that there's a lot of blood and that there's no way to get to first base. And, you know, came back in the clubhouse and, you know, kind of had a moment to, you know, kind of assess what what happened. Uh, saw the doctor and, you know, without any, uh, you know, x-rays or anything, he told me that, you know, your nose is deformed and it's, you know, more than likely broken. And, uh, you know, I had to take a moment to myself to just collect myself. I was sad. Um, it wasn't so much about the pain. It was just about the fact that, uh, this team's gone through a lot. And like I said, I pride myself on being available and I don't always enjoy the results of going out there every single day, but I do enjoy the challenge of being available every day. And I enjoy, enjoy playing and, uh, that's the thing that, you know, hurts the most. My, my face will heal, but my heart's broken right now because this team, uh, this team's hurting right now. And, you know, I, I came here and didn't really know what my role was going to be. And I was gifted, uh, you know, an opportunity to go out there and play every day. And I don't take that lightly. And it, it, it hurts. <laughs> It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday, May the 23rd, 2021. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. Well, throughout the offseason, when you get the transaction log, we talk about the big moves, you know, going after Trevor Bauer and 
J- James McCann versus uh, JT Real Muto and how the Mets could go out and get more bullpen and, and you get transactions like Trevor May and uh, you know all the kind of debate about what arms they could get and, and when they signed Taiwan Walker about how that impacts the rotation. But very rarely do we care when the Mets go out and you'll see like small transactions and usually they're at the bottom of an article hidden away or sometimes not even at all talked about. You know, someone like me who has the ability to get MLB press box transactions, I'll get an update. But when they sign a Jose Peraza or a Wilfredo Tovar or Brandon Drury to a minor league contract and, and, and basically an invite to spring training, uh, a Jonisui Fargus, guys like that, you never really think that it'll get to the point where you're going to talk very much about these guys unless they have a big minor league season and they work their way into the mix or a big spring training or something tragic happens, really crazy. And we've talked many times about Thunderbolts on this program. And Thunderbolts come in many forms. They come as large Thunderbolts, season-changing. And then you have periods where you get a lot of them. And who would have thought that seven of the nine players in the opening day lineup in about 16, and if Yamamoto comes back dirty with any kind of issue with his shoulder, maybe 17 Mets on the disabled list, those are pretty fast and furious Thunderbolts that come out of team. And you heard Kevin Pillar in the intro, and I know that it's quite a few days later and that story's gone stale, but I really thought Kevin Pillar and what happened there and his reaction and how he got up and how he came out and was in the dugout despite how he looked and handing out the lineup card. And now it seems like he's already gotten surgery for his uh, broken nose. And you know maybe you'll see him back in, oh, let's say two to three weeks, I thought it was pretty symbolic of where this team is at right now. Because when you get hit with Thunderbolts as a team, you could go a couple of different ways. Adversity is always going to be part of a season. Uh, it, It just is. And very few teams, even the 86 Mets, went through adversity. I mean, not just in the postseason with trying to beat a very difficult team. Houston team and uh, the Red Sox and what happened in that series, but they lost Mookie Wilson earlier in the year. Uh, Gary Carter went down. Uh, you didn't know how a guy like you know Ray Knight would play out and things like that. I mean, that team didn't go through a ton of adversity, but every team has some sort of adversity. Uh, every team goes through. Even the 2006 Mets, who pretty much were in first place from day one on, lost you know starting pitching and. Uh, you know, had issues and injuries to, you know, I think even Carlos Beltran won on the disabled list. So it happens. But this particular Mets group has really been handed adversity in a lot of small ways and then really just pounded away at them over the last week, especially after they were swept in Tampa just a week ago. You could feel sorry for them and they could feel sorry for themselves and they could sit around and wait for McNeil to come back and Conforto to come back and J.D. Davis to come back and Alonzo to come back. You know, they can make excuses and say, look, we can't compete because we have a 4A lineup. That is true. They have a 4A lineup. But that's like uh, basically the baseball version of junk food. It's going to make you feel good for a little bit, but no real healthy outcome will come. Nobody else is going to feel sorry for them. The Braves don't care. The Phillies don't care. Miami doesn't care. You know, the team across town has had their issues with John Carl Stanton being out. 
They're not going to care. So all you can do is accept it, learn from it, and, and really try to push through. And in a lot of ways, if you do that, as a team, you'll become even better. And you'll actually look back at this period, this period where the makeshift Mets, the replacement Mets, whatever you want to call them, really was somewhat of a turning point from what we all have talked about was the early season adjustments and doldrums, sleepiness that we saw uh, that, that concerned us quite a bit. We're trying to learn what this team is. We talked about getting to know the Mets and getting into Memorial Day and figuring out who the Mets are. And maybe with Memorial Day just a week away and with all these injuries still up in the air, maybe we need to expand that a little bit into early June. But I do know that Dom Smith in the post game after the loss on Saturday said it best because it tells me they're looking at this the same way. That when he goes and talks about how all these tight games help them prepare for the postseason, shows what they're made of, uh, how to block out the crowd, how to control their emotions, it tells me they're at least as a group embracing the challenge and trying to make the best of this because. A 3-6 and six road trip is well below expectations. I mean, I was really hoping they could pull out one of the last two here in Miami, come home 4-5. and five. That would have been outstanding after getting swept in Tampa, losing McNeil, losing Conforto, losing Alonzo, losing Taiwan Walker. I mean, you lost, within a 48-hour sequence, you lost key, key, key players. And being able to go in Atlanta... Being able to take two there. I mean, once they got swept in Tampa, and you heard what was going on with McNeil and, and Conforto. I mean, this had 0-9 <laughs> written all over it. And some teams would. I mean, they had really no business winning maybe even three of these games. But you could also flip the the, uh, the script and say they lost three walk-offs, and they could have easily won three more and could have been 6-4. and four. So the Mets are trying to do what all, the only thing you can do is stay tough, Try to do a lot of the little things. Going into Friday's game, they have 51 games in 52 days, thereabouts. A lot of doubleheaders on the schedule. Uh, there will be days off, but not as many as they've had. They really have been blessed, I think, early in this season in one way, where the schedule was kind that you know guys like Syndergaard and Carrasco, a lot of the games, we'll see about Carrasco, it seems like almost like Syndergaard's ahead of them come after their anticipated return because of the, the COVID shutdown, the rainouts, things like that. But, uh, you know, now it's going to get serious. You know, you could be buried. I mean, they could easily, you know, not that they'd be buried this week, but they could easily have been in a tailspin, one which there'd be no, you know, no answer for. But the real thing will be, you know, this is crazy. And you could laugh and say, look at this, or feel sorry for yourself. And as a fan say, this is unfair, but... This can be a real jump start for this team, taking these Thunderbolts. And real championship teams, teams that are serious about winning, will take these kind of challenges, and they'll make them into something that, they, that, that springboards them to something greater. And we may not see that today, and we may not see that tomorrow. We certainly didn't see it today. But you'll see it, and it'll be referenced at some point. What are some of the little things that could come out of trying to win this way, a team that essentially uh, we thought would score five-plus runs a game pretty easily coming out of spring training, but a team right now as constituted, if you could get three to four runs out of this group, that's all you're going to get. 
They really can't come back from a crooked number inning like what happened with Miami in the second inning where Yamamoto basically melted down. And he didn't get tattooed. A walk, get hit, a bleeder, a line drive that just gets out of the way. And look at it, you know, you look up and it's 5 nothing. A team like the way it's constituted now can't come back from that kind of deficit. But what you're learning a little bit about this team is that, one, Luis Rojas and the front office, because it's a combination, and Jeremy Hefner, the coaching staff and the analytics department, it's truly, I believe, a collective effort, are trying to put pitchers in a position where they have the best chance of success. And... I know that the opener is something that I have not been a big proponent of. And I certainly think the opener over the course of 162 games, if that is a week-in and week-out, day-in and day-out strategy, is going to burn the bejesus out of a bullpen. This bullpen has been good. This bullpen has been as good as you could have asked. You cannot ask for more. Nobody's really disappointed unless you want to throw... Uh, Dylan Batons is into that mix. And quite honestly, with the kind of injury that he has, I never really expected much. I mean, you've gotten way more than you could have thought out of Familia at this point. Castro has been a revelation, been very solid. May and Loop have proved to be solid additions uh, based on what you paid for them. Edwin Diaz has been the good Edwin Diaz. And look, you've had surprises out of Gazelman and Sean Reed Foley. And I know Jacob Barnes' numbers are not great, but he, you know, he's he's been kind of skewed into a couple of bad outings. Even Drew Smith, who gave up the game-winning home run yesterday, has contributed. And there might be some more young arms on the way. Who knows? You know, you're seeing some names of starters down the minor leagues. Who knows what is next with this group? And you haven't even gotten Seth Lugo back, which looks like you will get Seth Lugo back pretty soon, maybe as soon as Memorial Day, maybe sooner. He's on his rehab assignment. So you could not have asked for more. But but part of that is they're being used, I think, appropriately don't think they're being abused, but they certainly can get to that point. But what the Mets are doing with the opener is saying, hey, Luke, Joey Lucchese, this is where, at the point, you might become less effective. Hey, Jordan Yamamoto, this is where I have you at. Uh, David Peterson, Rojas has been, and he pushed them that one outing in Tampa, but also in the outings where he didn't have it in Atlanta. And, uh, you know, against the Diamondbacks, he's pulled them quickly in order to say, hey, you know, we got to stop the bleeding now. So it's really been a situation where everybody seems to know their role. They're managing the bullpen in a way where they're going with more leverage situations than necessary roles. If you look throughout the series in Atlanta when they had more of a bullpen-type game, they're making sure guys like Loop and like May, doesn't matter the inning, they're going after the important parts of the order where your toughest hitters are at, which is a modern way of looking at this. So you can't really ask for much more than that. I've been very critical of the shift, saying, oh, it looks like the Mets never are in the right position. And I don't know who said this, but I certainly want to give them credit, but I can't remember. I saw it floating around the internet, Twitter, whatever, is that when the shift doesn't work, you seem to remember that bleeder that rolled through the right side of the infield for a hit, like yesterday in Miami. But all the other times it does, when there's a ground ball up the middle, like on Friday night when Lindor was able to turn the double play in extra innings to to bail out Aaron Loop, you kind of take that one for granted. And he's probably right, because if you look at the defensive metrics, Mets are top five in baseball in run prevention. I mean, think about that. There's Other than Lindor, and he's a big part of it. I mean, the shortstop position is a big part of that number, so let's not forget that. 
But other than third base, which has J.D. Davis numbers in it, the Mets have been a net positive on defense. And I think a lot of that has to do with positioning. And the metrics, based on what I just told you, Mets are one of the top teams in the league in saving runs because of the shift. So it's working. Whatever they're doing out there, and I think I saw Jonishwi Fargus with some kind of colorful card out in the outfield this afternoon. Looks like they have a pretty you know, complicated or by today's standards for a, a big market team with analytics as part of its uh, repertoire, uh, you know, a, a normal component to the, uh, the game preparation, to the in-game preparation, to the in-game execution. So, you're, you know, you're starting to see that the Mets have been able to do some of the little things, know how to put pitchers in a position to be successful, which makes them better than maybe they are know how to put fielders in positions where they could be successful. We heard in the offseason, hey, you don't worry about Brandon Nimmo because if we could, you know, with positioning, we can make him look better than he is. Now, he's been out, but maybe that's part of some of the success you see with the Mets being one of the top run prevention teams out there. Nobody talks about that. I think they're starting to. So from this, the Mets are going to have to win. And best-case scenario is you hope that McNeil and Alonzo could come back sooner rather than later. I think those injuries are less severe. Conforto concerns me. Nimmo's still kind of like out there in the ethers. I know that J.D. Davis uh, had a little setback down in Syracuse with uh, up in Syracuse. It's really up, even though it's the minor leagues, with a stiff neck. Hopefully that's nothing too significant. And the biggest reason why, despite all the negatives that are going on, is that you have the pitching coming back. You have Lugo coming back. You can see Syndergaard. I know that Carrasco is a little bit peculiar because it looked like they were ramping him up and then they backed off, but he's not too far away, I have to imagine. I got some emails uh, this past week about the Mets handling injuries. Are they conservative with the injuries? Look, I don't know what to say. I think it's definitely peculiar how conservative they've been with guys like DeGrom and Walker. By the way, DeGrom coming back next week. But I think with the Mets, and I think what Pete Alonso said best about the injuries is that to win the war, you got to sometimes take a step back and maybe lose a battle. And I think right now they're willing to put their uh, money down that they can navigate a stretch against Miami, Colorado, and then Atlanta coming home. And Atlanta, I mean, looks to have woken up against the pirate pitching. I mean, there's a team that, you know, the Mets maybe caught them a little bit at the right time in Atlanta with some of their big hitters still slumping. Um, they they were betting on that they were able to navigate that stretch till Memorial Day when they go on the road and they start to go to Arizona and they go on a West Coast portion of the trip, which might get much harder. So hopefully they'll get healthier by then, and then hopefully by the mid to late June they'll be very healthy. And then you'll look back and say, well, it was worth it because they were able to not let injuries linger that were small things, especially when you deal with pitching. A little tightness in the side leads to a change in your mechanics. Those mechanics lead to shoulder and elbow issues, and all of a sudden you have a big problem. And away you go. So the real thing I think you take away is that the Mets, are they tough enough to withstand this? So far they've shown some some toughness. Kevin Pillar is the poster child of that. And it's not going to be easy to get through this. Certainly not going to be easy. But the old saying is, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I 100% believe that the New York Mets fall into that right now because what doesn't kill this team and knock them out completely in the 2021 baseball season will make them stronger. And I think at some point throughout the summer into the, into the meat and potatoes of 
Let's get it done. We're still getting to know this team. We're learning. We learned a lot about this team this week. Let's see how, how, how they could carry over some of this toughness into the homestand against Colorado, against Atlanta. But as we f- wind down the getting to know phase of this team and get into what does this team need, and maybe it's a bat. And don't be surprised now. I heard Zach Scott on SiriusXM MLB Network Radio talk to Jim Duquette and say they already have been out there with trades in the hopper looking to acquire maybe somebody. I think the best acquisitions are the ones that are on the injured list that are probably going to be here in the next two to three weeks. But who knows what they have up their sleeve, and maybe it's a a bat. And I think the most logical upgrade for this team, assuming everybody comes back within a reasonable amount of time, would be an upgrade at third base. I know everybody's talked about Chris Bryan, who's a free agent at the end of the year. That's not going to be cheap. But anyway, that's where we're at. Hey, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, fun segment. I think you're really going to like this. We talked about bringing on fan and fan perspective to kind of continue the conversation. Well, here's a fan that we're bringing on, Liam Oliver, from the United Kingdom, who is a Mets fan since 2019, actually June of 2019. He joined me right before the Mets took on the the Marlins earlier today. Remember, the UK is about six-plus hours ahead. And I think it was interesting because Liam talked about how he became a Mets fan, the process there, finding the Talking Mets podcast, and also how... Baseball is consumed across the pond when your game is obviously being played maybe when you're asleep, but also how Major League Baseball, maybe how they're not marketing to different areas, especially an area that's baseball's, it would be very difficult to get baseball into the conversation. It's almost like harder than getting soccer into the conversation here in the United States. But I think there's a lot of interesting takeaways about baseball, marketing, becoming a Mets fan, rooting for the team across in the United Kingdom and Scotland. And uh, I think it'd be something interesting to get that perspective. And you'll hear that and more after we take a break right after this. Mets fans love Bartolo Colon and remember his home run. But what kind of impact did he really have on the club? Michael Stahl, author of the book Big Sexy, Bartolo Colon in his own words, joined us on the podcast and gave us a pretty good idea. got to speak to Terry Collins over the phone, and, and he contributed a story. And he says the definition of a professional, he's like Bartolo's right there. One of his early starts in Anaheim, where Bartolo just didn't have it, and he gave up like back-to-back-to-back home runs, I think, in like the first inning. And you know what he did? He took his, he took his licks, and he, he stayed in the game until the fifth inning because the bullpen was, was tired. So, you know, his ERA ballooned up to like six or something like that. But, you know, he didn't care. He, he knew what was best for the team and, and, he, and he wanted to stay in the game. He told Terry after the first inning, he goes, I'm going to get you into the seventh. And he wound up going five, but still, like that's his, that was his attitude. And that was, you know, a real um, testament to him. Listen to this and more at www.talkingmitspodcast.com. We're back, and it's my pleasure to welcome to the program for the first time somebody from across the pond in the United Kingdom, Scotland. You know, he's been a, a great listener of the program. Uh, we've been corresponding, I think, for at least six months, probably since the holidays, maybe a little bit sooner. Uh, Liam Oliver joining us. And as I said, we're going to try to do these fan segments. And Liam, welcome to the show. So to give the uh, listeners an idea... You're in your early 20s, you're over in Scotland in the United Kingdom, and you yep. are a Mets fan. How does that happen in the world of soccer 
you know, Chelsea was on my TV this morning. I see a big Chelsea uh-huh. game this morning on my TV. Um, not necessarily with cricket out there, I guess. I mean, baseball, Mets, what's going on there? So the audience won't like it. And I'm hesitant to even tell you this, but I originally started looking uh, into getting tickets for a Yankees game. So my 21st of late 21st is a big birthday in America. Mm-hmm. So I was going to New York with my best friend. We, I was working and I ended up looking up baseball tickets as something to do, you know, over June peaks at a summer. Turns out baseball goes on for 162 games a lot of time in the summer. Um, so I'm looking at Yankees tickets and they are out of town. I can't remember who they were playing, but whoever they were playing, summer of 2019, probably the Rays. Um, and then I turned to the guy next to me and I go, oh, I can't get any tickets. Now, very coincidentally, the guy next to me is named John Stevens and he's a massive Giants fan. So he has like a replica 2014 World Series ring and stuff along those lines. And he goes, oh, New York has two teams. And I went, what? Because obviously, coming from Scotland, you see a load of Yankees hats across the UK. You know, people just take it as being a symbol of New York. Just like you see loads of Dodgers hats because people just think it's an LA hat. Sure. So, yeah. So he goes, oh, there's two teams. The other team's called the Mets. So I go, I look up. I managed to get two tickets for, I think, June the 14th. So it was against the Cardinals. Um, So I booked that. I booked two tickets. And since then, I'm like, well, I better fall the team so I understand what's going on. I look at podcasts. Uh, I, I just type in Mets into the podcast. And I'm pretty sure the first one that came up was the Talking Mets podcast, oh, hosted obviously by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I look into that. Um, I listened to your first episode, which was the DeGrom extension episode, was the first episode right. I listened to. Wow. This is yeah. going back probably... The Grom extension, you're going back a couple of years, right? Mm. I mean, so you're going, so you were the fan of there. And if I yeah. look, that's a Friday night, June 14th, Mets lose 9-5. And mm. if I remember correctly, Familia got hit hard mm-hmm. in the eighth inning, gave up a couple of home runs, mm-hmm. uh, bad loss. And then the Mets wound up winning the next night when Jeff McNeil threw someone up at the, out at the plate. I wasn't that at game. that one. You weren't at that no, one. No, so- what, was, what was the one that was rained out? There was a rain. Uh, well, that's actually the night. So this is interesting because now I'm remembering the mm-hmm. night before the first game, the Mets had the lead in the ninth mm-hmm. and they let the ninth play out and then it got rained out. They started yeah. the night mm-hmm. and then uh, or in the middle of it, Diaz gave up the tying run or whatever it yeah, may yeah, have yeah. been. And everybody kept saying, why didn't I think Pete Alonso would encourage the umpires to actually play on and yeah, the fans were mad at Pete saying well. why did you do that so that game you went to I don't think you were allowed in for the first game because they finished the game the next night on no, Friday no, no. you um, were so we we did a we did a tour so me and my, my friend James we did a tour of City Field um with a with a lovely tour guide um oh his name's Court I believe he he was a lovely guy um so we went on the tour I actually have a bullpen ball from Familia it wow. was yeah um it was throwing just in the bullpen and the must have been the bullpen catcher uh tossed over a couple of balls to see sort of groups on the tour so it's through in the living room yeah i've got a, a practice ball um familiar is huge by the way i'm i'm 510 and he's obviously it was before <laughs> yeah, he'd lost a big, guy. big man <laughs> um but yeah uh, so we got to watch by the time the tour was done it was the cardinals finishing up their practice the last two outs or so that were all ground out straight to first, basically. 
Right. Um, which prompted my friend to turn to me and go, are the Mets a bit rubbish? And I was like, I, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and then um, it was the second game so on that day. And there was one home run hit, um, which I missed. Because I went to get to the toilet. And obviously, you know, going on the tour, you're told about the apple. There's the apple out front of right. City Field, which is right. from Shea, I believe. Yes, correct. Well, then obviously the new apple gets raised. Got raised plenty of times that season with Pete Alonso's record. Um, but I went to the toilet. I came back and my friend's like, they raised the apple, but you missed it. And I don't <laughs> know for the life of me who hit that home run. Oh, that's funny. So Liam mm. Oliver, he's out in the UK, Scotland, talking about his experience. So you're, you're a guy that comes into the Mets family in 2019, yep. uh, in June. You were mm-hmm. going to get a Yan- Yankees tickets as you visit the United States. You yep. go to this Mets game. So I've always wondered, because a lot of people that listen become fans mm. when they're very young, usually from their parents. Now, you're living in a yep. different country, different culture. Yep. Soccer, I'm assuming, is the big uh, you know, thing over there. Yeah. You're following the team. I think right now I'm, I'm talking to you right before the Mets take on the Marlins at 1 o'clock here on a Sunday. Yep. I'm guessing it's six or seven hours ahead. Am I, am I correct it's there? 10 past five currently. 10, so yeah. 10 right. past five. So you're in the afternoon. So you're mm. getting games the next morning. You're always kind of delayed and whatnot. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you did you say after that game I'm going to stick with the Mets or was it cool just to see a baseball game like now you're a Mets fan it seems like listening yeah. to talking Mets and you're mm-hmm. how is it to kind of I've always wondered how you root for a team that's so it's one thing to be on the West Coast which is behind yeah. that's cool yeah. another thing to be ahead so I'm yeah. curious how that works so um it was interesting because you know uh, on the tour you get uh, oh yeah is that fine Yep. Sorry. Sure. Yep. On the tour, you get a, a photo opportunity, um, and with the photo opportunity, you get to take it. So I, we went up to the boxes. So I was suggested by John to buy a jersey. Now, a big thing in the UK that I notice isn't big in America is getting personalised jerseys. So, for example, mm-hmm. I have a Mets jersey with Oliver on the back, and twenty-one is the number. Now, I don't play in twenty-one. I play in seventy-two, but. I got it for my 21st. I didn't know Todd Fraser at the time played in 21. I was like, oh, there's ah. already a mate that plays in it. So I go with that jersey. Um, and it was weird because, it's like you say, soccer or we say football here, the rivalries between that are very, very heated. So, for example, um, I ended up going to another game on my birthday. I have the physical tickets for it. It was this June 16th game. Um, and I, I go to... Sort of, we get the seven train to, to Queens, you know, down to City Field. And it was a bizarre experience for me coming from where football is such a heated thing. So it was seeing Cardinals fans on the train with Mets fans was such a, a weird experience for me. Like we were sitting next to Cardinals fans, but you wouldn't get that in the UK. Like uh, football stadiums are separated. You get a visitor seating and home seating. Right, and you would not catch an opposing fan wearing the jersey of an opposing team dead on, like, you know, the train to Glasgow to go to Ibrox. Wow! But look at that. Mm-hmm. It's such crazy. a family experience. Like, like you see, most Americans learn it from their parents. Like right. You yourself, from the conversations I've heard on the podcast, I've spoke to people that have been fans of the Mets since they were the Dodgers, the Brooklyn Dodgers. You know, and it's such an interesting thing because there's a massive amount of baseball fans here and it's rare to find a Mets fan uh, and it's almost like a feeling familial aspect because the number of people I had shout something positive about the Mets to me when I was in New York wearing like a Mets cap or you know like I had a woman hang her entire torso 
out of a car and scream let's go Mets as loud as she could <laughs> she saw me wearing a hat. And this is in June of 2019. This yeah. isn't recently. This is in the midst of some controversy. The Mets were, you came on board right before the great run yeah. of late 2019 when they mm. were like 43 and 19. I think the only team that had a better run and that, that kind of span was you know, maybe the 99 Mets or the, and the 1886 Mets. Yeah. So you're, you're, you could see even with what's been going on with um, some of the challenges with the franchise, uh, there's still a great love. And, and like you said, you wouldn't see opposing fans get along in yeah. the UK at a soccer game. Who is your soccer team, by the way? Because I'm not a soccer fan, but I know a little bit about it. And we've had Mike Piazza, who owned the soccer team in Italy on. Yeah. So if he ever, if he ever <laughs> wants to listen to this again, maybe he'll, he'll get a smile on his face. I don't know if Mike has time to listen to any podcasts, but uh, who's your soccer team? Oh, I, I, I personally don't have one. I, I believe the political answer would be Falkirk because I live there. Uh, but my dad's team is Rangers. My dad and my mom's team, they, they're both Rangers fans. So ah. the Glasgow Rangers, um, you know, that's uh, their version of Yankees is Celtic. You know, well, right. they are probably Scotland's version of the Yankees. They've got multiple championships under their belt. 55, actually, uh, right. which the 55th was won this year. So wow. That's, that's, celebrations for that are still going on despite the right. fact it was months ago they won it. <laughs> by, by the way, Stephen Matz, the pitcher mm. for the Mets, hit the home run that night. I'm mm, looking yes. at the box score right over there. Stephen so Matz hit a home run that night. I and Juris Familia. Song. Yeah, uh, Juris mm. Familia gave up a couple of home runs and four runs in the eighth inning, and uh, yeah. that's what that's what did them in. Uh, I have Liam Oliver from the UK, Scotland, joining me. We try to get different fan perspective. You know, recently, and I'm trying to give the guy the proper, uh, James Shapiro from the Shea Bridge Report uh, did a uh, piece, and I don't know if you saw it, Liam, about Mm -hmm. fans in the UK. Now, everyone thinks UK is London. It's not just London. It's, (laughs) you know, obviously the whole whole area. You're in Scotland. Yeah. Is this, so now you're kind of like, are you the only Mets fan around? Could you talk about baseball to your peers and i mean is there a way for you to kind of you know start your own london group over there to get into this because as we get deeper in the season hopefully this is a season where the mets go deep into the postseason yeah. you know the, the stakes are going to be higher you know did you want to you want to just go to bed and wake up and find out what happened if the mets are in a big postseason game i i'd see um if they were in a postseason game I, i'd book time off work to sit and watch it like um i've been really enjoying these these early starts because i can listen to them you know, the, the Mets have a great broadcast team on both sides. And it's something that I really found out during spring training this year, where not a lot was televised. And I, I very closely remember there was a Cardinals broadcast for spring training. And I, I don't know who the Cardinals had on, but that was that was a painful broadcast. <laughs> you know, we're so spoiled as Mets fans with the broadcasting team, like, you know, Keith, Gary and Ron. And then the radio side, Wayne, Randazzo and... Ooh. and howie rose and howie, howie rose, rose yes i yep. probably get crucified for that one but <laughs> no that's okay hey you're only around listen you've only been around a couple of years what you're gonna yep. get crucified for <laughs> is if the mets wind up winning uh-huh. and you jump in in 2019 you haven't you don't have all the battle scars yet you no, know I, you don't I have don't. all the battle scars <laughs> which um the, the funny thing on the topic of steven matz is he now pitches for the blue jays obviously um and the thing about the blue jays is that's my granddad's team so oh, he wow. was, he's ex-Navy, um, and he has family in Canada, or had family in Canada. So he went to a Toronto's game, a Toronto Blue Jays game. He still has one of their retro caps with, like, the green bill on the inside. Sure. And has photos and original tickets from, like, the Rogers Centre, the year they won the World Series. 
Wow. So you have, so you have a baseball family, so even though your parents, your parents are not into baseball. It no, sounds like no, older, don't. So, but, but you have some connection. So you're not the first mm-hmm. individual to fall in love with the game a little bit. It's interesting because the United Kingdom, I mean, the United States was born out of the United Kingdom, you know, we're kind of yeah. like cousins and yeah. things like that. And, you know, I, I never thought of American pastime. We know mm-hmm. the NBA. I mean, I, I mean, I've been lucky. I grew up watching the NBA in the early '90s, Dream yes. Team era, when it exploded across the globe. And I think a lot of people, I'm assuming, out by you are NBA fans. I don't know. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. Um, the, the NBA is big here. Uh, NBA is big. They did an mm-hmm. awesome job back in the early '90s under David Stern marketing across. Now, for, and this is interesting because this will probably tie into some of the frustrations. There's been talk about. And what I find interesting is here, you're a new fan. Yeah. There's talk with media members, how bad the game is. You're only seeing one version of the game from 2019 to now, which is more of the, we'll call it the launch angle era, you know, yeah. less action, high strikeouts, less mm-hmm. contact. And, um, you know, I've always been of the uh, thought process that things organically work themselves out. Mm-hmm. There's a fear that they don't. And in some sports like the NBA, like the NHL, the NFL, when defense became too prevalent, they made rules yeah. changes. Yeah. Um, I'm curious for you, I mean, this version of the game and, and what you're talking and with the American journalism yeah. going the route of the game is broke. I mean, how do you as an outsider uh, in another country as a new fan see it? I mean, does the game bother yeah. you being that you don't have a point of reference really? So with not having a point of reference, I obviously talking about this is the best Mets podcast I, I listen to. I, I've Thank tried you. a couple yours are clearly the better one because of the takes you have on stuff like this so for example like i'm not so much on social media um just the job i want to do um but then when you look on certain things like a lot of mets on uh pages on instagram a lot of it it's the same as like in politics and stuff a lot of vocal minority so Mm -hmm. you know louise rojas last night pulled um joella casey I believe, um, yes. when, when he was dealing. But then, you know, like, it's the same move like uh, Kevin Cash would do. They would pull them when their confidence is high, when they've got that strength point to keep them going, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you get Trevor May that's, like, throwing a fantastic fastball and just screaming because he's, he's doing well. And that is, is so interesting because those particular bits of emotion, like, I really enjoy Marcus Stroman and what he does because he's so emotive and the rules and people saying the game's dying and then the MLB retorts with, you know, not being able to market players when you've got players like Mike Trout, who, you know, there's a lot of posts about him, but other than that, you know, he's not being marketed everywhere. New York was lucky enough to get Francisco Lindor, who slumping currently, I believe the streak he went on was his second shortest streak. Have you listened Mm to uh, Chris Rose? who is a Cleveland Indians fan, he was saying on his podcast that, that I think it's the second longest streak Lindor went on, but the longest streak Lindor went on, he then led the, the Cleveland Indians to the World Series. Right. So if Lindor is pulling that here, you know, the Mets fans will be fortunate. <laughs> That's and right. then it, it's, I enjoy the game for what it is currently, which is, you know, like you say, a lot of strikeouts, but then there's the home runs. Like, I, I came in in the year of Pete Alonso's rookie record, you know, beating Aaron Judge, the, the, the hated Yankees from across the town. It's a Mets right. player that does it. You know, it's not an Oakland A's player. It's not a, you know, a, a team in, like, a, a hitter-friendly ballpark. It's not someone in Fenway. It's, it's a Mets homegrown player in City Field. 
and that's such an amazing thing that that was marketed. I've got shirts I've ordered from America that's to do with, you know, the polar bear and that stuff comes through here. And it is very interesting because you look at players, for example, like Trevor Plouffe. Uh, John Boy Media is another New York company. I'm not sure if you've heard of them. But yes. No. Yeah. So, like, they're, they're Yankees fans, which is why, obviously, I still have yourself, because we need that Mets perspective. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. And then he, Trevor Plouffe's talking about how the game is eventually writing itself. Like, for example, teams are now bunting and they're now hitting singles because of maybe something like the stupid second inning rule, which... Manfred clearly intends for what a suicide squeeze and then an infield double to get the other runner in, and that's, <laughs> that's right. Even like that rule change, even though I only became a fan in twenty nineteen, I was a bit like, oh no, you know, right. keep that until like the tenth, eleventh inning, you know, right. give them at least another inning or so of clean baseball to see how it goes, you know, or like the DH in both leagues. I've had discussions online with why the DH in the National League is a good idea with someone who thinks they should just ban it for both leagues, you know, and baseball is such an interesting sport to me anyway, and especially when you begin to understand the game, the marketability of players comes from itself. Like you look at players like Otani and and um, Fernando Tatis Jr. who basically get posts about them every day, but I think that's maybe you know, their attempt at marketing it. Right. Do you watch the Mets on MLB TV? How do you consume the game? Is it on a, a radio mm-hmm. app? I'm curious yeah. because one of the things that come, goes on in this uh, uh, area is that you're, you're kind of stuck with your team. You can't mm-hmm. get, you can get MLB TV, but they black out certain teams that are in mm-hmm. certain areas and whatnot they force into into the situation. Yeah. You can't watch any game what you want. They want you to watch the local market. And I think that's frustrated fans because the NFL doesn't do that. The mm-hmm. NBA doesn't do that. How, do you get blacked out at any point? Do they force certain teams on you? How does the MLB TV, how do you consume the Mets? I'm curious. Yeah, so I pay for an MLB uh, TV radio subscription. So like, like ah. you know, I, I can listen to Heavy Rose and Wayne Randazzo and that's what my sort of day-to-day consumption is. I've got the MLB app. I get like your notifications, which nine times out of 10, I'm waking up to. Unless right. it's like, like I believe you call it a business person special. Yeah, there you like, go. Uh, you heard the business. So they call it, a, and that's probably an antiquated term. I don't even know yeah. what they call it. Yeah, uh, yeah that's all for uh, they you. Call it day- but back when I was a kid, they mm-hmm. used to call them business person specials because you, you'd, you'd, you'd sneak away from the office, watch a game early, yeah. and you'd be able to get back to the office before it closed. Now, yeah. five o'clock quitting time, if a game starts at one back uh, in 1990, you're probably back to the office at four o'clock. You know, get a sneak an hour, and now you know it's it's not the same. You know, yeah, I as yeah. a as a young intern uh, had the privilege of having a business place near Shea Stadium, so uh-huh. we could sneak out, watch the game, then still go to work and 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 get some time in. So you know, those days might be over, but yes, the the noon yeah. games yeah. you can you can watch. Uh, you know, you talk about listening on the radio. That's how I mm-hmm. I didn't have cable as a kid. I didn't have cable right. when I was years old, so yeah, yeah. I was only able to watch the Mets on free TV, which then you could get about. Mm-hmm. 80 to 100 games uh-huh. on free TV, thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Now you're not going to get anything but more maybe once a week, if that. Yeah. So um, YouTube how is it? How is Sorry. it listening on the radio? Can you can you grasp the game as a new fan? Mm-hmm. Is there a certain difference for you? Because I felt growing up listening on the radio, 
Um, I missed out on some nuance, I think, that I would have made me a more educated, better fan. Mm-hmm. But I also, some of my, my um, best memories is listening to the team on the radio and the drama yeah. that the radio brings when yeah. it comes to big plays and big hits and whatnot. So um, a good way with that is, I'll go quickly back to you saying about being blacked out. I've never been blacked out. I could probably watch whatever team I wanted. So, for example, uh, Mother's Day, when everyone was wearing those amazing pink sort of touches to the uniform. I, I love those hats, but we can't get them over here. That makes mm-hmm. me sad. But uh, it, it, MLB did every game free, but I could go to like an Orioles game or, you know, I, I could watch any of those. Like we are not mm-hmm. blacked out, but the consumption of it, it's very expensive over here to get a TV subscription only to watch on my phone. Um, we have a, a company, you guys would say a cable company uh, called Sky over here, and they do Sky mm-hmm. Sports. Now, mainly their their Sky Sports is like it's it's you would say soccer, so like your football, your mm-hmm. F one cricket, and baseball is like shoved down at the very bottom. And even then, it's not like an official Mets channel. It's just right. I think it's like Sky Sports main event, and it's whatever games are on. I, I if I got that, I couldn't like go right perfect. I can sit down and watch the Mets game, you know. But we're not blacked out. And then YouTube also has a free game of the day, which I always enjoy when that's uh, a Mets game. Um, but with the radio, I that's now obviously my way to consume it. So I do, like you say, feel like you miss out a little bit with the TV. Like uh, a lot of the, the, the banter between Gary, Keith and Ron, I miss out on and only hear about it on like podcasts after. Because, you know, Keith Hernandez is very known for his antics, especially with, with the, his cat and along those lines, you know, and I miss that. <laughs> However, I have a very clear memory. Um, where I live, it's like central Scotland. So I was driving up to see my partner that I now live with. She lives up, oh, she lived up in a place called Dundee for university. So I remember driving up. It must have been when I'd finished a back shift. So I, it was like 10, 11 o'clock at night for opening day, you know, two um, in 2020. And it was when everything was going scoreless and Jacob de Grom was, was dealing. And was it Max Fried? No. Ian Anderson, they were against? Might be one of those, yeah. yeah it was the, the game, Braves I think, success, but it's hit the home run. Yes. Uh, and the Mets won one nothing on opening yeah. day. And, Diaz and I, save, right? I remember the radio call for that so clearly about Cespedes hitting that home run. And I took my hands off the wheel and as loud as I could, pumped my fist and screamed, there let's go. There you go, go. you're an official, you look could. at that. Yeah. We could all we could all relate to being places, doing things. Look at that. While you're driving, of course, still being safe, driving. Yes, the one yeah. thing I have to tell you, Liam, I can't get over the, the, the steering wheel being on the right side of the car and driving. <laughs> I'm afraid to drive. If I ever go to Europe, and on yep. a big, I'm afraid to rent mm-hmm. the car and drive because I'm going to be on the wrong side of the road. I'm going to wind yep. up being roadkill over there, you know? So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm um, the same. That's funny. That's, that's, that's <laughs> funny. And you come to the United States, it's the opposite. I have Liam yeah. Oliver, big fan of the podcast, over in the UK, Scotland. Be fun. We're listening to his experience recently becoming a Mets fan, mm-hmm. listening to the game from uh, a different lens. What would you tell American baseball media and, and maybe even the commissioner? How can they get more guys like you, more fans like you, men, mm-hmm. women, whatever, all mm-hmm. different ages to embrace? I mean, obviously the Yankees are an easy one because of the brand and the Dodgers, yeah. but it's got to be more than that. You got to. I think you have to have a connection in baseball to a team. I don't think it's going to ever be like the NBA where you're a Michael Jordan fan or a LeBron yeah. fan. I mm-hmm. think it's a different sport in the NBA. How do you see them doing a better job with, let's talk specifically in Scotland and the UK, and can mm-hmm. they, or are they wasting their time? Well, um, 
I, I didn't know you were going to prepare this question. I would have prepared something, but <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, it, this is your expertise. Yeah, yeah. Give it to your um, gut. Give me your you're you're a fan. You you've been hooked. Yeah. You so, got kind of lucky that you're a Mets fan, right? Yeah, but, course, especially um, with Steve Cohen coming over and right. the potential that they've now got. You know, they've got the best pitcher in baseball. You know, I, I know Garrett Cole's good, but he's he's still not Jacob Degrom. You know, um, I think MLB are already doing the London series, so they did it in 2019, and I it was it was the Cubs. No, it was Yankees and Red Sox. And the Red and, Sox. And what yeah. was funny, Liam, not to interrupt mm-hmm. you, the, the ball was flying out of that place. I remember yeah. the scores being wild. Is that because of the stadium, the environment? I'm curious if you have any thoughts. Because I remember watching those games, like, what the heck is going on? It was like a softball game. I think I think it was in Wimbledon. So it would have been in London. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was, it's a converted rugby stadium. Um, so that might have been why, you know, if, if it was, if they converted Wimbledon for that. Um, the weather, like... It would have, by the time of year it would have been, especially with London, it would have been like warmer weather. So that might contribute to it. And obviously the ball was different in 2019 mm-hmm. as well. Um, it might have just been the air. It might just be the lack of humidity. Like, and yeah. I know, you know, summer in New York, I was melting in the streets at City Field. But <laughs> it, it, might, it might just be the lack of humidity, you know, like, sure. uh, like the Coors effect, like they've got the dehumidifier in there and the different air might have affected it. But I think... I understand the difference between the NFL, who sends their two worst teams over to play in London. You know, the, the first London series that Britain got was, well, England got, not so much Scotland, was Red Sox, Yankees, the, the historic rivalry, you know. Everyone knows the pinstripes, that's why they played in them, despite the fact they were technically road games for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. And then right. the next year was supposed to be Cardinals-Cubs, which is another right. rivalry. Right. I think... You know, one in London, like a London series, and whilst they're in the UK, up to Scotland, we've got stadiums that could do them. You know, there, there's Murrayfield, there's stadiums that could be converted. And right. I think, you know, I, I believe every part of the UK would have a stadium that would accommodate it. So why not two games every stadium if you want to bring that in? You know, if tickets are roughly the same price, so, you know, like 20, 35 pounds or so which is about 40 something dollars if that was for like a single ticket and you get the full atmosphere you know you you bring everything over you basically pick up city field bring the entire atmosphere and the 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 effort over like the the vendors walking up and down like sure the knowledge of baseball in the uk is such a it's like a cartoon thing like what you see in the simpsons or you know what you see from tv shows where it's the vendors cut, uh, walking around throwing peanuts, and it's it's almost like the antiquated game, <laughs> you right? Know, as opposed to what it is now, which you know, some people may not like what the game is now, but you know, it's it's never really seen as an like an alternative to sports here. You know, your right. sports here, you're you're a football fan, you're a rugby fan, and if you're an older gentleman, usually golf, and if you're English or so, cricket. Mm-hmm. So. Baseball was never seen as an option for sports because it's so hidden away. And I think if there was the opportunity to do, like you get a spe- you can get specific NBA team channels here. I think if there was the opportunity to get like a Mets channel on your TV or an Angels channel on your TV, right. it would be good. And the, yep. the, oh, I hope that doesn't pick up. That's an ice cream nope. one. Um, That's fine. 
That's fine. It's all organic, man. We love the ice cream, man. It's that time of the year. Anyone yeah. who listens to the ice cream man in the back, they think of the themselves in the summer. Mm-hmm. The ice cream guy truck coming down, get yourself yeah. a milkshake or a cone. <laughs> I personally like milkshakes. I like vanilla mm. milkshakes and I like uh, you know, cones. I like yeah. you know, not the sugar cone, I like the actual waffle. I like the yeah. waffle cone. That's yeah. my thing. Yeah. So here it's uh your waffle cone with your uh sort of whippy ice cream with a flake in it, and that's a ninety-nine. Uh, despite <laughs> the fact it's no longer ninety-nine P and it hasn't been for a number of years there you go <laughs> there you go but, so so you, you really seem to feel that they could just do a better job making the game available despite the yeah. time differences mm-hmm. and what have you and, and um you know i i know that uh everyone wants to expand and grow into china that's what you know the nba yeah. did i think europe especially western europe mm-hmm. does get overlooked you've got you know uk france germany yeah. italy uh, obviously we've had, like I said, we have Piazza on the show and I know he's going to, yes. whenever the world baseball classic comes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, don't know if the UK has a world baseball classic team, but um, um, I'm curious, do you like the world baseball classic? Is that something that will help in your opinion, help grow the sport in, in specifically Western Europe? So when, when was the last world baseball classic? Oh, we're probably going back 2018 and they were supposed to have one last year and right. it got canceled. Uh, so yeah, yeah. now you're looking at, I guess next year, maybe, Yeah, you so know, I, so. I, I just missed that. But like, you know, there, there's, there is a Scottish baseball league. It's not the similar level of like the KBO or the, the, the Nippon professional league, which all interests me as well, because it's baseball. It's a different brand, but it's still baseball, you know? And I, I think, I think the UK has, it's not a Scottish or an English or an Irish team. I think it's an overall United Kingdom team that we have for the World Baseball Classic. Um, There's plenty of YouTube videos about why we're so bad. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, it's kind of difficult to compare yourself against, you know, the people that go to the World Baseball Classic and represent the Dominican or America or Korea when your practice fields look like a sandlot if not like poorly maintained sure um, yeah and yeah. I, I would be interested in the world baseball classic it'd be something great to go to you know it similar to an all-star game it's people representing their country it would probably have a similar vibe to the olympics i'd hope yeah no i mean it depends and it, i think it i think in the united states it's looked at as a as a nuisance because you're afraid your players are going to hurt. I think if you go to, you know, with the Japanese players, yep. the, uh, you know, Dominican Republic, you know, mm-hmm. you know, Cuba, potentially, I don't, I, I don't know what the rules are going to be, obviously with COVID and with different yeah. uh, infection rates, you know, hopefully we're in the back half here of all this, but um, it will be interesting. Liam, what mm-hmm. do you think as we wrap up here, what do you think of this current Mets team? Do you, uh, you know, the theme here coming in was, you know, the, I always use the old term Thunderbolts. The Mets have had their, mm. not just one Thunderbolt, they've had been hit with a ton and Kevin Pillar <laughs> and what happened the other day mm. is kind of a symbolic uh, situation to this team, getting hit right in the face in a horrible way mm. and getting themselves up and not necessarily being perfect mm-hmm. um, and, and not necessarily being built to win over the long haul. But I feel that this is a situation where they really could, could learn and take, uh, some toughness away from this stretch that's going to stay with them the rest of the year. What is uh, your feeling of this team? And, and, and do you feel good about it? Are you enjoy watching the makeshift Mets, the replacements, whatever it is? And, and <laughs> how do you feel, Mets, yeah. how do you feel, how do you feel about, uh, about this team right now? So I, I think Kevin Pillar is a, a great example of that. You know, he gets hit in the face and then the next game he's out giving out the lineup cards, you know, he is Superman. He's a man of steel taking that to the face and, 
doing what he does, you know. But he's he's a veteran, isn't he? He's been through a lot, and the same thing will happen with this Mets team. They'll go through a lot. They just brought in Francisco Lindor. We've not even seen Carlos Carrasco yet. You know, there's elements of this team that are together from the 2019 run. But, I mean, how many starting pitchers are left from the 2019 run? I'm pretty sure it's just Jacob deGrom now. Just right like now, well, you got Stroman a little bit. You have Stroman, ah, yeah. Wheeler's gone. Wheeler's gone with Syndergaard, should be back. Vargas mm. is gone. Um, so, yeah, you're looking at a situation where there's, you know, around the same time in 2019, right before you came on board as a fan, they mm-hmm. had Conforto down, they had Cano down, they had McNeil mm-hmm. down, uh, and you had guys like Carlos Gomez and, and Dini Hechaveri and, and mm-hmm. Rajay Davis. And, you know, I could go on and on. Aaron yeah. up there on that thing. So there are components here um, of the whole situation. And, and I guess that really, to me, it's going to uh, be interesting. You know, they, they're playing in about, you know, 20 minutes or so. They mm-hmm. come away from the road trip. Even if they come away from the road trip three and six, I think this had disaster written all over. This could have been oh, a, yeah. a winless road trip. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, four and five, I think, you know, after the injuries you'd signed for, you would have mm-hmm. liked five and four. And very easily without the walk-offs. Now, there, there are a couple of walk-offs and, and big hits away from, you know, maybe winning six or seven games on the trip. Yeah. So yeah. it's really interesting how, you know, the, the season develops. And, and we're kind of at a point where we may look back at this being the jumping off point, yeah. hopefully, for, for better days ahead. Yeah, like like it's especially the catalyst. Like um, you know, like you get the players who are injured but are key components, like your Jacob Degrom, and then the the influx of you know Francisco Lindor, who the shortstop is the captain of the infield. People are saying it's it's his Mets, and then there's of there was talk about Pete Alonso being the next Mets captain during his his rookie season. I mean, you know, that's you need to slow your roll a bit with that one, but sure. You know, Jacob deGrom can't well be it because he's a pitcher. He only is there, one, well, only pitches every one to five days. And then people are like, oh, it's Francisco Lindor's Mets now. There's still people like your Conforto and your McNeil and your Alonso that were there and, you know, that, that have came up that are all bonding together. Like the, the raccoon incident. That's now a point of reference for the Mets that, you know, if it was any other team, wouldn't have went as far as it would. But with it being the Mets, of course, is like like you always say, you know, the, the media loves to get their raccoon get, paws on a story. Get their, get their, get their pound of flesh. It's always mm-hmm. good. You know, don't remember somebody told me a long time, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Now, I don't yeah. like that, but you know, I like there to be some smoke where there's, if there's a fire, I like the smoke yeah. to be somewhat near the yeah. fire on the whole thing. Who's mm-hmm. your favorite Met, Liam? Who's your, who do you like? I, I do have to say Pete Alonso. I've, I've got an Alonso jersey. Like the polar bear. Yeah, I like the polar bear and, and Jacob deGrom, obviously. I have a little pot of vinyls of uh, both of them, you know, and it was Pete Alonso's rookie season that really brought me yes. in. It was that historic moment, him shedding the tears after he beats the record, like being there and just almost being a real person. Like baseball players, from like an, an, an average person's perspective, they're, you know, over six foot. They're pretty much... They look superhuman, you know, Jacob deGrom throwing 102 miles an hour right. at what, late 30s, you know. And then there's these young guys that are my age or younger that are doing what they're doing. And then you see the humanizing moments in that of, you know, it's just a man or a boy with a dream and they're achieving those dreams, you know. Do you uh, want to embrace yourself? You know, obviously, as a new fan, you know a little bit about Mets history, but... Mm-hmm. 
uh, diving into that, have you thought about going back, watching old games and Mm -hmm. really starting to, uh, you know, go back, you know, I mean, look, you got 50 years plus, you can't catch up on that overnight, but Mm -hmm. we take for granted, you know, when I hear the broadcast bringing a Mike Pelfrey to talk or, Mm -hmm. you know, a Benny, I may see there's a great, you know, Mets rewind, a great podcast with John Struble, a friend of mine that's had, you know, guys like Butch Husky and Bob Apodaca and Mm -hmm. uh, Sean Estes, you know, maybe not, Mets that are of you know the the historic route, but uh, you know, could talk about errors. Have you embraced or or started to look back, see what else you could glean from Mets history to make yourself even uh, more connected to this situation? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for example, I I didn't know Mike Piazza originally played well played for the A's at the end of his career. I thought he retired a Met. You know, right. it, it's things like that. But for example, the books you bring in. I have the book of Doc, Donnie the Kid, and Billy Brawl, how the 1985 Mets and Yankees fought for New York's baseball yep. school because of your yep. podcast. I've got the other ones on a reading list, you know? Like, the Mets history is so fascinating. And I am so happy to be a part of the group of Mets fans, you know? People like yourself that are always there and always giving those information with, like, your interviews with former players. For example, your interviews with Mike Piazza or like learning even just the history of baseball, like people like Roberto Clemente or Jackie Robinson or players that maybe not are not necessarily from the Mets, but also tie into the Mets in some way, shape or form. You know, like you get players like Todd Fraser saying he wears 21 for Roberto Clemente. And that's a Mets connection to that. And then even behind you, you've got the retired numbers, you know, number 48 will be up there someday. But like. They're retiring Jerry Kuzman's number next, 36? Yeah, it looks like Jerry Kuzman's number is going to be retired mm-hmm. next. And uh, I kind of have an idea of a former Met that's going to be in, in the Mets Hall of Fame. I don't want to tease it yet because I don't mm-hmm. know if it's public knowledge. But a member of the Mets who played for them uh, sometime from 1990 onward will be inducted <laughs> to the Mets Hall of Fame this summer. You yeah. guys could probably go figure out if you go look it out who it might be. It's somebody who was very popular. Yeah. Let's put it that way. So. Um, I have that. I don't know if I could tease it yet. One day I will. I'll probably do it after it's been released and I'll be like, oh, I knew that, but yeah. <laughs> respect to the organization. So Liam, it's almost game time. I'm going to let you run. You've been a gentleman here. This is great stuff. Here's what you need to do. You got to build the Mets brand. You're the guy in Scotland now. You're the <laughs> local Met, you know, fan club. What do they call them in, 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 in soccer or football? They have like the local fan club that's going to build the football club. You're Mets BC baseball club. Mets BC, I'll call you. Yeah. Baseball club. And we'll do that. And I will <laughs> say this on the way out, you know, watching you know, a little bit of the Chelsea game this morning, the mm-hmm. fans are just wildly into it. I mean, I know it's not full capacity, but mm-hmm. there was a lot of fans there and they were, I mean, they chant and they get into it and yep. it's an interesting culture. We don't see that. Maybe we see that in the postseason mm-hmm. with a little bit with the seven line, but it's interesting. We can learn a little bit from how you guys not beating up the opposition. We'll, we'll leave that one out, yeah, you yeah. know, but, <laughs> but no offense, but um, you know, you, the passion yeah. is certainly there and having you on board and listening to your story, especially because you're new and mm-hmm. from a different culture that baseball is not primary beautiful stuff. And thank you thank so you. much for coming thank on you. today, buddy. And I'm glad yeah. you're part of the, uh, the, the community. And uh, it's, it's stories like yours that make me uh, appreciate doing this on the days when you get so much negative feedback. You're like, why do I yeah. do this? Knowing that, you know, you could take something enjoyable away from just, you know, 60 minutes or so. It means a lot. So thanks again, yeah. buddy. No Enjoy worries, the Mike. game today. Yeah. And we'll talk again. Okay. Yeah. No worries, Mike. And remember, baseball needs more chance. I'll start them when I'm next over. Okay? You start them. <laughs> let me know. All right, Liam. Be well, buddy. You take too. care. Thank you. Take care.
That's Liam Oliver from the UK, from Scotland. Interesting stuff. Hope you enjoyed it. Something a little bit different, a different perspective on a Mets fan. Hope to bring more of these to you throughout the season. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll wrap up. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. We'll be back with more right after this. The Talking Mets podcast is available on many outlets, but the most popular is Apple Podcast. Hi, I'm Mike Silva, the host of the Talking Mets podcast, and I encourage you to leave a review about the program on Apple. Just rate it one to five stars, hopefully a five, because why wouldn't you? And then if you have time, leave a review. It helps the podcast continue to grow and encourages others to take a listen. You can also email me at MikeSilva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Hope to hear from you soon and enjoy the rest of the show. All right, we're back. Final thoughts. It was interesting as I'm listening to Liam speak about watching baseball in Scotland, United Kingdom. And not that it was difficult, but he's listening to more games on the radio, which is kind of the way that I, as a young baseball fans started watching baseball listening to baseball because cable and i've said this a few times on the show it's probably crazy to think about now cable wasn't wired up everywhere i lived in a neighborhood until i was about 16 where we weren't wired for cable we had no access to it and you know basically you had to you know listen to the nick you know listen to the knicks on the radio listen to the mets on the radio and you got some free tv in terms of games and then baseball was on more free tv than it, I mean, today you get one a week, maybe. That's it. Tops. But we talk, and I love to read the media. Well, you got to promote Mike Trout. You got to promote Shohei Otani. And I think it's so hard to replicate what the NBA did with the Dream Team back in the 90s and with that sport, a sport I also love. It's totally different. Individuals can take over games. There's so many narratives and stories that were built over the years in the NBA just by the nature of the sport. It's a five-on-five game that could become a one-on-one game that can completely change because of one player. Very rarely does a baseball team get changed by one player. It gets changed by a group, and the group becomes that one player. The group becomes an identity. And I think we're trying to see with the Mets right now, the 2021 Mets, how does that group blend together and become an identity, whether it's Janishwi Fargus in center field or Kevin Pillar. At the end, the Mets is a group will be the identity. And that's a lot harder to market. But availability of the games and getting people to love the game, you didn't hear him talk about some of the things that Joel Sherman's talking about where he compared the 2021 Major League Baseball as a, as a whole to Dave Kingman. Not wrong. He mentioned some things that they can do to improve the offense, maybe cracking down on the sticky stuff on the mound and things like that, changing the strike zone a little bit to be lower, give the hitters a better shot since they can't really hit the high pitch, you know, train them a little bit to not swing at the high pitch. Whatever those, you know, they were reasonable thoughts. And, and baseball is the one sport that hasn't really gone over a makeup. I mean, they did in 1968 with the mound, but the NFL, the NBA, I've said this before, the NHL with the neutral, neutral zone trap, NBA with hand checking, they all had to change the rules because the, the, the league, you know, the coaches and the league caught up on offense. And then it was a chess match. And now, I have to say, as a as a fan of basketball in the 90s, and I'll never complain about that style of basketball, if you have a good balance like you have now with good teams playing a good combo of offense and defense, it is a better game. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a better game. But I had a ton of fun watching 73-71 Miami Knicks games in the play- playoffs. 
The point is, it was fun because the team was good, the team had character identity, and it was about winning. And I think you could sell this sport. But you got to make it available. And it's still the only sport, unlike the NBA, unlike the NHL, that I think there's an availability problem. We've talked about this on the show. And, and it's certainly here in the United States. But if you're going to get anybody across the pond anywhere to get involved in this sport, if you're waiting to use the NBA blueprint in a time where there was less distraction, pre-social media where it exploded, good luck trying to get people's attention now with social media, with all the nonsense that's going on. You're going to have to make the game available. And you're going to have to figure out, you know, does Liam Oliver and his group of friends over in Scotland kind of build their little community and become kind of uh, uh, Mets Europe over there? I don't know. And if the talking Mets, if he does do that, you know, more power to Liam, more power to those guys. And the Talking Mets podcast was part of it. That makes me happy. That makes this all the worth it. But how is he supposed to do that? How is he supposed to get his buddies all into this and involved? And I, I, I understand that series that we saw the Yankees go to London to play the Red Sox. You could do more of that when COVID becomes less of a thing across the globe, which we're probably a little bit of ways away from it across the globe, a little bit more positive here in the United States. But those will help. But I think ultimately you can't put a team in London. I mean, I guess you could, but there's always been talk about international you know, components to every league. It's not realistic with travel. Make it available. Make communities embrace. Can't just be about the Yankee cap or the Dodger cap. Can't just be about one person. Fans have to start to enjoy the sport, and then you have to start to have them create these communities. Michael Jordan was that guy as Bulls fans popped off across the country and the globe because they were Michael Jordan fans. A lot harder to do that in baseball. Can they embrace organizations and their culture and who they are? Much it's like it's like chess versus checkers. It's like old school board games versus PS3s or whatever they are. I don't play video games, so forgive me if I sound ignorant. So this is hard, but I think it starts with availability. And if you have certain key communities that are into this sport, make it available to them. Look at what you can do where you're getting some kind of distribution to make it bigger. You're never going to be like soccer in, the, in, in this area. Forget about it. But you build it organically, and the first way is through availability and making it affordable for them. Invest. I remember reading something like David Stern used to send VHS tapes to, I think, China. He didn't care what he made on it. He didn't care. He just wanted people to have a game in their hand. It's like the old, this is how my show became a big deal. I used to just throw links out there, message boards, created a website. I've done all sorts of things. And finally, you know, you got I got lucky in some ways as I developed over the years, over the 15 years. And this Talking Mets thing was born in 2016. And voila, you're here. A very humbly solid audience. You know, I'm nowhere near SNY. But don't be surprised. We're not that far off. I mean, look at this gentleman from the UK found Talking Mets before anybody else. I didn't pay for him to be on the show. I didn't pay for him to become a fan of the show. He found it and he got hooked. And that says a lot. So interesting stuff from Leanna Oliver. Obviously, the big theme is can the Mets beat Kevin Pillar tough? Can they continue to fight and claw and do the little things and win the 4-3 games? Can the bullpen continue to be put in the position without burning itself out to do its part to keep this team afloat? The pitching is going to need to keep this team afloat as this 4A lineup tries to scratch three, four runs across. And help is on the way. I don't think any of these injuries are debilitating. 
even Nimmo, who I was worried about, and it turns out there was a nerve issue. It was a little bit more serious than we thought. It wasn't just a, a bruised finger. Seems to be getting healthier. And if they could hang in there, and the Mets are taking, I believe, a little bit of a conservative approach with some of these injuries, but if they could take it, hang in there, do the right thing, I think they'll be better poised to win the war as we get into the dog days of summer, into the nitty-gritty. But over the next six weeks, as we go into seven weeks or so, into the All-Star break, it's critical for this team not to let up, no matter who's on that lineup, because you could get buried pretty quick. And there's not going to be a lot of chances to take a blow. The pitching is going to be on fumes. And between now and the All-Star break, we're going to learn a lot about this team. Now that we're going to learn about this team, we're going to get into the phase of what do they need to really get where they want to be. And it actually might be a bat. I know Thomas Nito's hitting better, and it's impre- you know some things going on behind the plate that make you wonder whether the Mets need to maybe switch who's the starter and who's the backup. You, you hope that when the guys come back, Conforto, McNeil, Alonzo, they'll start to you know get back into that groove. You, know, you can't wait for J.D. Davis's bat to be back in the lineup. You know, although his defense, now that we've seen some good defense, can he can he be part of that solution with positioning and everything that goes on out there? We'll see. So, anyway, I hope you enjoyed this show. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to a new Mets fan, a new perspective, and uh, we're going to sit back and we're going to continue to see the makeshift Mets, the replacement Mets fight against Colorado at City Field, Atlanta, a, a much more busy City Field. Fans coming back. We're putting a lot of 2020 in the rearview mirror. Thankfully, looks like we're getting to the point where life is starting to get back to normal little by little by little. And I think we're going to have as normal of ballparks as you can get as we get into the summer months. And that's a cool thing. And it's certainly going to be a big advantage for the Mets at City Field as they've played well there so far this year with less fans. I can only imagine more fans could uh, potentially be a positive. Could be a negative. Could put more pressure on them. The Boo Birds will be out, but... I think the fans are liking that these guys, these 4A guys, are doing the best they can to keep this uh, line moving until the Calvary comes over the hill, which I don't think is that far away. I want to thank Liam Oliver for joining me today. Of course, I want to thank all of you for tuning in to the broadcast. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can get the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire if you want to interact with me. Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G. Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be another podcast pretty soon. Till then, take care, everybody.
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.